This PBS NewsHour podcast is supported in part by Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. Their scientists played a substantial role in developing more than half the cancer drugs approved by the FDA in the last five years. Dana-Farber Cancer Institute is changing lives everywhere. Find out more at DanaFarber.org slash everywhere. The House of Representatives is devoid of leadership and pressures mounting on Republicans to elect a speaker because of the need to approve aid not only for Ukraine, but now for Israel as well. Here to break down the stakes are Amy Walter of the Cook Political Report with Amy Walter and Tamara Keith of NPR. Great to see you both. Thanks for being here. So there's still no full-time speaker of the House, but the two declared candidates so far, Representatives Jim Jordan and Steve Scalise, have expressed solidarity with Israel, pledged their support after that brutal attack by Hamas. Uh, But here is how their fellow Republican, the chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, Mike McCall, weighed in on the issue today. I look at the world and and all the threats that are out there, and what kind of message are we sending to our adversaries when we can't govern, when we're dysfunctional, when we don't even have a Speaker of the House? And I think it sends a terrible message. Amy, that was Congressman McCall yesterday. Does any of this change the urgency of their need to elect a new Speaker? In theory, yes. And in theory, they could also get this done this week. They can, and they they are planning on having a vote by Wednesday or Thursday for a speaker. The problem is nobody has the votes. Mm -hmm. And we will see after tonight when they they have their first sort of get together uh, since this broke over the weekend, if there is any momentum, if there's something that could could bring uh, the elements of the party that were unhappy with McCarthy and those who were happy with McCarthy together for an alternative. You also heard um, in the opening here about former Speaker McCarthy being open to the possibility. Mm -hmm. The reality, though, for the Speaker election has much more in terms of what the members are focusing on. It's much less about what it's sending to the world, the message it's sending to the rest of the world, or the impact even on aid uh, to Israel. It's much more about the immediate, including what it means uh, for funding of the government, Mm -hmm. which we know is going to run out in November, and the rules for how another speaker could be ousted. That's where their focus is right now. Tam, how are you looking at this? Right, so former Speaker McCarthy stepped into the vacuum of leadership today held a press conference at the Capitol, gave a five-point plan on Israel, and then said, you know, like, the majority of Republicans wanted me to continue to be speaker. So you almost can add him to the other two candidates. Mm -hmm. And none of them, as Amy says, at the moment have 217 votes to be speaker. Um, They are under increased pressure to fix this, uh, to do something, to end the chaos. It's not clear how they get out of it, though I will say that John Kirby, in a briefing that he just held with reporters, said that in terms of aid for Israel, there's an, a standing relationship, there are standing appropriations, and so the that may not be the thing that has the urgency. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting intelligence briefings to the leader of the House, right. now that's something that has some urgency. Well, what about aid for Ukraine? Is there any information on that? Well, uh, the situation with aid for Ukraine, it's not clear how this will affect that. The White House is still trying to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kirby again said that there is an urgent need for aid for Ukraine. One question that I had coming into this leadership battle is, 
Will the candidates for speaker commit to not bringing Ukraine aid up to the floor? Although there is a large bipartisan uh, group of lawmakers who support aid for Ukraine's war effort, there is a small, vocal, and overlapping with those who voted Kevin McCarthy out group of Republicans who really, really don't want that Ukraine aid to get a vote, and the speaker controls the floor. Yep. Amy, what about where the American public is right now? We've seen there's still a majority support for supporting Ukraine and their war against Russia, but we've seen American support declining to continue arming Ukraine as the U.S. now gets involved on another front now, which is supporting Israel. Where's the American public on that? Well, I think there will be an initial rallying around Israel, and this is a very special relationship that America and many Americans have with Israel. So I think that will be where we are initially. But for the public, what's happening overseas is really something that they don't see as affecting their day-to-day -day lives. And especially when it comes to politics, they are much more interested in what's happening domestically. When what's happening overseas impacts them domestically, that's when we start to see the engagement, like you were talking about with the, uh, it, back in the 2008, 9, the really overwhelming frustration with the dragged out war in Afghanistan mm -hmm. and Iraq. We're not at that point right now, but certainly what you see for a Republican Party is very much divided on the question of Ukrainian aid. And maybe that's not a good way to say it, though. I don't know that they're that divided. I do think that the majority of Republicans on Capitol Hill, elected officials want to see more aid going to Ukraine, but there is a strong enough faction mm -hmm. that is stopping that, and that includes uh, some members uh, of the Republican Party who are running for president. Tam, you heard John Kirby tell Jeff earlier, he's very optimistic, feels very good that the White House and the administration is prepared to handle all of these multiple fronts, right? The war in Ukraine, countering China, and now supporting Israel. But what is your reporting show? Do they have both the political capital and the consensus to do all that? You know, what's fascinating is President Biden last week announced that he was going to give a major address on Ukraine uh, to try to make the case to the American people that this is something that they should still care about and, and should still be invested in. Um, now, he may have to give a major address on, on Israel and Ukraine. And, you know, as I was looking into uh, sort of the approach to that speech, I talked to a number of allies of the White House who said that, you know, President Biden hadn't really made the case to the American people. Like, he, he had sort of been quiet on Ukraine for a domestic audience and that that was a mistake. Well, now you have yet another another front here. One thing that is important to point out, a big difference between Iraq and Afghanistan, is there are not U.S. boots yeah. on the ground. Right. And that is a very big yeah. difference. Mm -hmm. um, and something that the White House hasn't exactly driven home uh, as part of their... But this is the, the battle. We're going to see these lines drawn up, theoretically, if we have a Trump and Biden rematch oh, yeah. between an America first and America's place is as a global leader. Now, this is also mm -hmm. something that's dividing the Republican presidential primary. This is the case that Nikki Haley makes, saying we have to be as strong as we are in Ukraine, as we are in Israel, as we are in China. The United States, when there's a vacuum, mm -hmm. bad things fill it. The United States still as a global leader is critically important. You're also going to hear the case being made by Republicans, regardless of where they are on Ukraine, that an unsafe world and a border that is, obviously, we have a significant 
problem at the border in terms Talking of about the U.S. The U.S. border, border sorry, the yes. southern border yes. of the yeah. United States, making that link between here's where the scariness across the world can come in through our southern border. Yeah. That makes the U.S. unsafe. So expect to see much more of linkage between immigration, mm -hmm. what we call immigration reform, and what is happening overseas. And Tam, we did see a number of the candidates for the Republican presidential nomination weighing in on this over the weekend. Nikki Haley, of course, who has those foreign credentials to some degree, but also Mr. Trump laying the blame solidly at the feet of President Biden. Does this change the Republican side of the equation? And how did the White House plan to counter that? Right. So blaming President Biden is a really easy move, and which, which is why we saw pretty much every single Republican presidential candidate go that direction, why you saw RNC chairwoman Ron McDaniel saying this moment is an opportunity for Republicans. It certainly is a potential area of contrast. Um, it also harkens back to 2015-2016 when there were a couple of terrorist attacks, uh, when the primary field on the Republican side was still very, um, it hadn't gelled yet. Mm -hmm. uh, former President Trump came out in a very strong way, calling for a Muslim ban, things that seemed anathema to, to many Americans, but really helped cement his lead in the Republican primary. Um, and so now we're back in a moment where he's making much of the same rhetorical case. We're seeing him say some of those same things uh, this year as well. Tam Keefe and Amy Walter, always good to see you both. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Yeah.